0: You know, it's amazing when people, uh, oftentimes, will say to me if i sharing the gospel with them that they wish that there was some sort of evidence that, in, they would totally believe in Jesus if they are given before them some sort of supernatural uh, or tangible evidence that the Bible is true. And as we look at this passage here in Acts chapter two, understand that uh, history tells us that even with the most obvious evidence, even with the clearest indication of the truthfulness of God in the Bible and that Jesus is Lord, that it is possible for people to not believe. Um, again, as we go through this, in particular here in chapter 2, we understand that this is not a normative uh, situation this is a narrative It's not normative, um, but at least it does tell us something about the human nature and that if you are a new if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and even when you're doing things with the power of the spirit that people will still reject you or people will ultimately reject Christ or they'll think that the things that you do for the Lord is considered foolish now chapter two uh, again is continuing building off of what happened about what paul. I mean, what the apostles were wondering in the beginning of chapter 1, where they're saying, uh, you know, Jesus promised them that, the, that they will be baptized by, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that, uh, that they're supposed to go out to the end of the earth by declaring, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're going to do it with the Holy Spirit dwelling in them in a lot of ways each unfolding event here is a fulfillment of the old testament uh, there need, there is work to be done uh, on earth um, for the glory of our heavenly kingdom or the glory of god in our heavenly kingdom and at this point in god's redemptive plan he's he's going to fill the apostles and all the people there with the holy spirit in jerusalem uh, so that they can go and, and minister, uh, sorry, in Jerusalem and then to Samaria and then to the end of the world, end of the earth. Uh, they wanted, uh, this power and now the Holy Spirit has come. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 2, uh, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now it's interesting because Pentecost is basically no, it's, it's 50, 50 years. Um, and God timed it so uniquely in that this is 50, not fifty years. Sorry, fifty days. Um, God time, this was that fifty. This is fifty days after the Passover. Um, the Passover, if you recall, was when Jesus gave them the Last Supper. Uh, that was the last time they were going to do the Passover, and then fifty days from then, that's when the Holy Spirit entered into their life. Um, and this is unique because the Pentecost back in the Old Testament um, was a celebration of uh, fifty days after the Passover. This was a show and for them to be reminded that uh, God has delivered them. Um, so this is, uh in a, in a lot of ways, God's tying back uh, to what happened in the Old Testament, and there's some, this unique event that's going to take place here. Uh They're all gathering together in verse two, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, different commentaries, um, generally they will say things about how it just suddenly came out of nowhere that, um, it's just this. Uh, the words here really can't describe what they were, what was happening. They they were witness and testimony of all of these things, uh, but they didn't really understand. So there's a lot of like they're using a lot of words like like. They, they were not speaking with like a California kind of accent, but uh, they use the word like because the, what was going on, is hard to explain. So there was this rushing wind that when it filled the entire house, the source. Of this wind seems to come from nowhere, but they at least acknowledge it that because of the the great wind it must be from heaven That uh, this event was unmistakable; they know how something that something special is happening, uh similar to the way in which the angels came in the beginning of the of the gospel of luke uh uh this unique uh phenomenon was used to show them that there's something special going on. This is to let them know. That this is definitely the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is here. This event is to was done upon them. There was nothing that they could, uh, did. It wasn't that they prayed enough. Um, it wasn't anything that they've done to to have the Holy Spirit be done to them. Uh, they were just. they were just, it was just. the just Holy Spirit acted upon them. Firstly, then they appeared to them tongues of the fire distributing among them, and they rested on each of them. So it seems like there's this little flickering fire, like a tongue, that just kind of landed on top of them. Uh, Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, uh this means that at this point, they are not filled with the mind of Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that you have now the ability to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and what is not pleasing to the Lord, what is God's will for your life because of God's word, and you know you can know what God wants and what is displeasing to the Lord. So now they're at the point where the whole, the law is almost like uh, the law that's written in their heart, they can now be able to discern and say no to sin and yes to righteousness. And we can see that even in our life. The moment that we become a Christian, we're all called to be filled with the Spirit, right? In Galatians, it talks about how we're, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And you don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's what's similarly what's going on here. The Holy Spirit now enters into them. Um, but what's different between us and the people that happened here was that they began to speak in other tongues. And tongues is a strange word. I don't really like that translation. I actually prefer the word languages. I mean in in the Greek as it's it's it the word is it's basically languages so tongues it's almost like a it it sounds strange because we don't usually use that word and I think that's where the charismatics say like they're speaking in tongues but in reality the the actual Greek word basically means Because in verse five it says this now there was there were Jews living in Jerusalem development from every a nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language so uh, when it went on the house, uh, the world saw uh, many uh, uh, many from all over the world came and and they didn't understand what they were hearing and but uh, they, and also they didn't understand what they were seeing. Uh, how did these Galileans know? Uh, that these languages, you know, these people that were in Jerusalem. I mean, at best they might have known like Hebrew and Greek, possibly. But the fact that they know all of these different languages, it means that there's something strange is going on. They heard them, and then somehow it's implied that they knew uh, based on the way that the smoke, the way that they spoke. That these people actually, and it's, and it's funny because it said, uh, "Aren't these Galileans?" Uh, it's almost like an insult. It's like these are dumb people, but yet how do they know? All the nuances of other languages again is to show you that the holy spirit is working in the the people here or say in how is that each can hear them in our own language to which we were born so it's one thing between just actually saying things a language because you can actually you know i heard like korean hebrew you can and even english you can kind of sound out the words but you may not understand what it means that's kind of a saying there. that's that's one way that you say it but more than just saying you can also comprehend it And these people are asking, how do these Jews do this? How do these Christians, how are they able to not only speak our language, but to also understand what we're saying? And it it says here in verse 9, Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya, around Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Into Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. So, this is 15 different groups of people, and these 100 or so uh, people, these, these believers, were able to speak all of these different languages, and people were confused at what they were saying. Um, there were some that were shocked, while others, were, even though they saw what was going on, still did not believe. So you see this in verse 12, they all continue in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? And that's a good and profound question. If you see something that is so supernatural, what does it mean? And they, although they asking the right question, it seems that some of them um, uh, missed the point, because verse 13, but others were mocking, saying they're all full of sweet wine. That means that and I think the reason why some people thought it was sweet wine is because maybe they didn't understand the other languages, so they might have understood like you know like Chinese, but they didn't understand English, and so to them they thought English was just gibberish. So they say, oh, they're all just drunk with wine, um, and we understand that this is not new. Uh, the world will always think that what the church does is strange; it's foolishness to them. And why? It, I don't even think it's the language itself that was uh, foolish of them, but it's that they were speaking the mighty deeds of God. They were telling them uh, the gospel, essentially. They were preaching to them in their own language. Uh, this event is unique to them, and when people saw this, even with the right evidence, even with the evidence that's so clear and obvious that they can hear languages from other places, they saw, some of these people came to the conclusion that there is no God. Uh, they they wanted uh the, the church here was filled with the holy spirit. They basically showed them a miracle before them and they still did not believe. Again that should be not new to us. First Corinthians tells us that there are you know the gospel's foolishness to those that do not believe. Uh and it's going to be foolish even to us as well in our time when we share the gospel, when we're doing things according to the scriptures, whether it be things like marriage or or um you know being kind to each other, all the things that the Bible tells us to do, uh, you go singing for the Lord, doing communion, all these things should be strange to the outsider. And it doesn't make sense to them, and that's normal and that's okay. Because those that are not filled with the spirit will not understand the things of God. God is making himself known through the faithful um, preaching here of these original apostles and the followers here. So how can we apply this text to our lives today? Well again we must as Christian we must remember <coughs> that we are spirit filled and in order to and, and because we're spirit filled the Lord will use us. Um, the world's uh the the way the world looks at us is going to be different, um, but but hey, we're called to be filled with the Spirit and live in such a way that is pleasing to the Lord. So this is again like what I referenced earlier. In your life within the church and outside the church, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. There should be a, something very distinct in the way that you live. Um, you know, you should exhibit a kind of a kindness, a love, patience, gentleness. All of these things should be a marker of a believer. Um, and if that's not you, then you need to repent of it. Or maybe for you is not just repenting and turning away from certain sins, but that you might not even be filled with the Spirit to begin with. Um, you might not even be you might not even be saved. So therefore, you're not able to do the things that God expects of you. So that's the first one that Christians must be filled with the Holy Spirit. They want to be used by God. Second, Christianity was, is, and always will be strange to the world. This is something that I've said earlier. The world's reaction is, should be no surprise to us. The world is uh, looks at the way that we live our life and how we conduct ourselves. It should be strange. Um, I'm not talking necessarily about dress code. Uh, I'm talking just about the, your conduct and the, and the way that you prioritize your life. Now uh, that you, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, how you talk with people, um, how you react to certain circumstances life it must be different. And, and to the world that is very strange. And lastly, Christianity uh, always have God's promises. Um, this whole event, this whole situation, chapter two, it's a promise that's fulfilled by Jesus that, you know, in the book of John, toward the end he said that, or not even toward the end, but he said that the Holy Spirit will come and give them, uh, understanding and uh that's what's going on here uh, this is john chapter 16 uh this uh, he uh, i have many more to say to you but you cannot hear them now but when he the spirit of truth comes he'll guide you into all truth all the truth he will not speak of his own initiative but whatever he hears he will speak and he will disclose it to you what is to come that means the holy spirit is going to be going is going to enter into the life of the believer and it's supposed to help them uh John chapter fourteen verse twenty six with the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you uh and you and we as Christians need to remember that the beginning of Acts chapter two here it's a fulfillment of all of God's promises. Even I mean, at time, allow me to explain even things that about the Old Testament. How the New Covenant speaks of the Holy Spirit being in us. That we our our heart of stone is removed. We now have a heart of flesh. That we no longer need the law outside of us, but the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So these are all ways in which God is uh, God promised in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in the in the book of Acts in chapter two, and is going to in other promises that has yet to be seen will also be fulfilled as well, because of God's faithfulness in the past, we can look forward to God's faithfulness in the future. So that's the lesson that I want to teach us for today: that that Christians first must be filled with the Holy Spirit if they want to be used by God. Second, that Christianity is is going to be strange to the world. And lastly, that God, uh, the Christians always have God's promises because God is faithful in, in every area. I hope that this chapter or this portion of Acts chapter 2 is helpful for you. Um, we're going to just keep moving on every every other day through this book. And I hope that this is helpful. I hope that you take care and that you take God's word and, walk, and that this will help you walk closely with him. Have a great day.